Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Well, hey, friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in today. It's going to be a great conversation. Really looking forward to this. Been looking forward to this for a while. Uh, we have the honor of having Karen Berg with us. She is the Executive Pastor of Ministry at Flatirons Community Church. This is one of the fastest growing churches in the country. They have, if I'm counting right, five physical campuses in Colorado uh, at Plus Church Online. And listen, friends, Colorado is a fantastic place. But one of the things about Colorado, it's one of the most non-religious areas in the country. It's the kind of place, frankly, people do not wake up on a Sunday morning and say, hey, I should go to church today. And Flatirons is thriving there. And this is why I love pointing people towards uh, towards Karen, towards the ministry at Flat- Flatirons. Welcome to the show. So glad you're here. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, we've had Jesse DeYoung on in the past, and I just love uh, love your ministry, and, and it's an honor that you would uh, take some time to be with us today. Why don't you kind of fill out the picture for folks that were listening in that maybe don't know about Flatirons, and then tell us about your role. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. Um, Flatirons is, as you said, we're in Colorado. Um, beyond even being in Colorado, we're in Boulder County, East Boulder County, right. which if you say Colorado is not necessarily uh, the buckle of the Bible Belt. Uh, certainly Boulder <laughs> County is the the pinnacle of the the yes. unchurched. Uh, we don't get up and go to church. We get up and go to the mountains or go skiing yes. or whatever. Um, so we're in this spot where it um, there's a lot of, uh, I would say, uh, unchurched, uh, mm-hmm. not interested in, in God, not particularly interested in the Bible. Also, mm-hmm. uh, de-churched. A lot of the folks that are part of Flatirons um, were part of a church, have been in a church, have suffered church hurt, um, but it's it's this weird collection of, of folks who, on the surface, you might look and go, I never thought I would see them walk through the doors of a church. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. those are our people. That's mm-hmm. that's what we do. That's how we do ministry. And, and it's great. Honestly, I wouldn't do it any other way. Right. Love it. And tell us about your role, Executive Pastor of Ministries. Give, give us a sense of what that frames up, how you spend your days. Yeah, I'm actually, we, we shift things a little bit uh, I am executive pastor of campuses, which is okay. sort of a, um, when you have multi-site, most people who are involved in multi-site would know this. Um, there's the ministry piece and there's the operational piece of campuses. So I work mm-hmm. with our campus pastors directly, uh, some mm-hmm. of our operational central services, and then um, our ministry leads for students, kids, and uh, community connections, groups, spiritual formation we sort of work together around what happens at campuses and how that's aligned. So mm-hmm. I spend a lot of time thinking about how are we all flat irons, but how are we distinctly mm-hmm. campuses as well? So it's, it's kind of what it looks like. Yeah, I love it. The th- I love talking to executive pastors. That's my own background. The thing I love about it is Every executive pastor role looks a little different. You know, they're just, they're, they're not, uh, that's why it's always good to get clarity on that. Well, you know, Flatirons is is a great church for a lot of different reasons. One of the interesting things about your church is 
uh, you're consistently fast growing. There's a lot of churches that will end up being fast growing maybe for a year or two, but that is not the story of Flatirons. It's like, man, God just continues to bless your ministry, continues to bring people to it and people stick and stay. Uh, And that's like over an extended period of time. I wonder if you could give us a sense of what is that like on the inside? I know we look at that on the outside and we're like, that's just all good news. It's all fun. But I'm sure I know, obviously say that tongue in cheek, there's a lot of tension, a lot of stress, a lot of, um, it can be tough leading within that kind of environment. I wonder if you can kind of tell us that story a little bit. Yeah, it's um, the interesting thing for me was I was a part of the church as an attender. Uh, we don't really do membership, but it's the easiest thing for people mm. to understand. Uh, before I took a position on staff. So Flatirons was my home church 20 years ago, 21 years ago uh, when I found it. Um, And it was, like you said, it was crazy. We, Mm -hmm. I started attending, we were in an old carpet store and within a couple of months had moved into just down the block into what was actually a feed store, like a ranch feed store mm-hmm. that we remodeled. <laughs> Upgrade from carpet yeah. to feed. <laughs> yeah, we are, not, we are not proud at all. We're, we'll, we'll be anywhere. It doesn't really matter. Yes. Um, but we moved into this, this bigger space that we thought was going to be, uh, it'd take years to fill it up. It'll take forever to, mm-hmm. to get people in all the seats. And it, things just continue to roll. It has been a fast-growing place always. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say it, with the... Um, arrival of a new lead pastor, things were really ramped up. When when Jim came on board as the lead pastor, um, we saw there were years where we were seeing 20-25% growth year over year. And so what happens then at that point, I'm on staff, you're just um, you're just surviving. You're thriving, but you're surviving. You're certainly not working on processes and systems in the background. You're not writing staff handbooks at that point. Um, you're just yelling at people to move chairs around and knock walls down uh, yes. and get some speakers out on the sidewalk so people sitting on mm-hmm. the sidewalk can hear. Um, wow. And in our case, put uh, heaters on the sidewalk because we'll be <laughs> in the wintertime. We've actually done that. That's a real thing. So, right. wow. Um, wow. so it's, um, I, when I, I say sometimes that we, we function kind of tyranny of the urgent, but that really is a little mm-hmm. bit what it is. All mm-hmm. week long, you're thinking about, hey, Sunday is coming. Um, mm-hmm. Do we have mm-hmm. enough chairs? Do we have enough space for kids to show mm-hmm. up? You know, are we going it, to, it's crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. And at the same time, because we're this church of um, a, a different kind of congregation, I would, I would say uh, than what you might see in a more, in a more Bible belt location or in the South, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you're, you're getting calls and you're dealing with things that are just yeah. in some cases, things you never thought you'd have to talk about right. you now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Complex pastoral heavy. care situations. Yeah, yeah, very much so. It's heavy mm-hmm. emotionally, spiritually, and you're you're like just making space for people week after week. Totally. So totally. it's it's yeah. nutty. It's a different kind of stress. I mean, all mm-hmm. there's stress in all ministry, um, but it was it was crazy and in the best mm-hmm. possible way. I think it was so exciting right. that the staff was like we're just going to do it. We don't care. Bring so, it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Exactly. I love that. Exactly. Well, and I think, you know, you might be listening in listeners say, that's not my church. I'm not sure I've got stuff to learn. Well, you absolutely do because all of our churches, the thing I love that you touched on there for us, Karen, is this tyranny of the urgent that, you know, we, I was joking with some church leaders just last week. I said, you know, the thing about Sundays is they come around with uncanny regularity. It's like, we're constantly bombarded with, oh my, and that that's true. Whether you're a church of you know, 500, 5,000, 15,000, they just, they, it is constantly coming at us. 
And we've got to push back and figure out not how do we just work in it, but how do we work on it? And I Mm want to really pull that apart and understand what's happened at Flatirons on that, you know, from that point of view, maybe help us understand that. Pull us, tell us a bit of the story of how you, how as a team, you were able to shift from that and being able to, you know, kind of fight back against the tyranny of the urgent and actually try to take some step forward. So what would be some of those, those initial steps that started to think, hmm, we've got to do something different? Um, I would say uh, we've always had a staff over the years, even back in the days of just craziness that um, loved Jesus and were bought in and loved specifically the mission of Flatirons that we're going to, even in mission partners around the world, we're going to go places where nobody else wants to go. We'll do the hard stuff. That's always been kind of the vibe and the mojo. And our staff were always bought into that. That's why they wanted to be a part of Flatirons. Um, I think that we in the in the running hard and fast and just trying to make sure we could accommodate the people that were showing up um we were also we had this vibe of anti-corporate we don't want to we don't want mm. almost like do not use the word system do not use the word process right. and if you did you'd get jeered out of the room you know so we don't want to be <laughs> corporate we're we're Jesus yeah. we're meeting people where they are and we're, we're meeting people that have had church hurt. So it came out mm-hmm. of a good place, that idea of um, we don't want a lot of a lot of religious stuff that isn't going to mm-hmm. change anybody's life and is just going to mm-hmm. impede them from really understanding who Jesus is. So mm-hmm. um, that's great. The, the sentiment behind that is great. Uh, what happened for us was we found ourselves, you can operate like that, I think, when you're a small staff. Um, mm-hmm. When I took a position on staff initially, I think there were 30 of us or so. 25, 30 mm-hmm. people on staff, every meeting we had, everybody was in it pretty much sitting right. around a table. Um, and then you start this growth path over a number of years. Um, and by 2019, we had 165 mm-hmm. people on staff. Right. Um, and we did not have a, this is just an example, but we did not have um, an application for employment until 2018. So there's wow. all these years of craziness and of adding you know, 4X the number of staff that you have. um, And you're just doing it however you think is the best way to do it because we haven't put anything in place to sort of scaffold all of those things Mm -hmm. that you need to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So what happened was we're growing, growing, growing. And and maybe the people in the seats attending wouldn't have known some of this. I think that your culture, it leaks out. And eventually the people attending your church, they they do know if there are struggles. But we looked up and realized we're we're in a really rough spot. We've got some real unhealth. Um, our, our communication was horrible between leadership mm-hmm. and staff and through throughout the staff. Um, I think um, our leaders at the top of the of the organization were carrying things that they really shouldn't have been carrying. They were mm-hmm. making decisions way down in the weeds, and that just impedes you from doing what you're called to do and what you're really gifted to do. So for us, um, mm-hmm. there was there was a kind of a screeching halt. The brakes go on. Lead pastor goes on sabbatical, um, mm-hmm. and and it was, and it, it he it wasn't he's unhealthy. We the whole right. organization was unhealthy, um, and I think those of us in a leadership role, we I certainly knew. I'll speak for myself that our mm-hmm. staff was just it it needed uh, some help. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were all great individually. It wasn't that we had bad people. Um, we just had not ever taken the time to go, how are we doing this? I think more importantly, right. 
who are we? Who do we want to be as a staff? When people look at us, what should they be able to see about who we are? Hmm. So Hmm. we kind of hit a brick wall. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that. I, I, um, that's, I think an interesting insight, right? You come to a point where you say, Hey, the whole organization is unhealthy. The thing, you know, the way we're, uh, the way we do life together just isn't, isn't positive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think there's a, that's an interesting tension we can find is that in the doing of what God has called us to do sometimes, um, you know, and that can be really good. The outcomes can be great. Obviously, people were coming to know the Lord. People were getting baptized. Good things were happening in people's lives. They were being changed. But then we looked at our own team and said, "Ooh, things were not great there." What were some of those telltale signs from your perspective? You looked around and said, "Ooh, this just doesn't seem right. This doesn't seem to be fitting well." Yeah, I think um, we were a very relational staff. We still are. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. We're very relational. Mm-hmm. Um, but without anybody understanding or having clarity around how do you get things done here? How do you get something approved that you want to do? How do you get an answer to a question? How do you get to start an initiative? When you don't know how to do that, we wound up in the spot where I think everybody believed that the way that you make things happen is to make sure you have access to the guy at the top. Make sure you have access to the lead pastor. Um, Take your thing to him. Get him to like it and approve Mm. it. And so... (laughs) There's this weird jockeying for position and jockeying for influence. Um, And at the same time, one of the other things that really was alarming to me was I think we had fallen into this habit of um, we didn't have any, any real lines of communication that we had sort of clarified to staff. This is healthy. This is how we want you to approach Mm. communicating Mm. with each other or resolving conflict or, um, Mm having a face-to-face conversation when you know something is wrong. So everything Mm. was sideways. All of the communication Mm. was sideways. Um, Mm. People would talk around each other as opposed to um, that whole Matthew 18. I'm going to, this is, there's something going on here and I'm going to go and speak to my brother or sister and Mm. I'm going to figure out what Mm. it is. Um, We, we didn't really, I didn't see any of that. Um, Mm. And I would say we were very much, ministries were separate. You, you didn't, Mm. in a lot of cases, you didn't know anybody in in a ministry that was not yours, or at least outside of a ministry that you had day-to-day contact with. And what that does is it leads to when things are not going well, it's very easy to vilify because (laughs) you don't know them. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) I know. Nobody's experienced that. Yeah. That never happens in any church. Right. Um, and so, of course, that's what happens. It becomes yeah, uh, um, absolutely. They, they, you dehumanize people a little bit, and and it's. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like they're not working as many hours as I'm working. Um, I don't think that team's job is as hard as mine. Um, that mm-hmm. is a telltale sign when everybody yeah. lives in this the space of we're we're the ugly stepchild. We don't get the resources right. we need. Everybody else does. Right. So there were a few things, but those are I, those are the top ones. Yeah, that's good. I like that insight around just there at the end too of like teams thinking, hey, we're the ones, we're the only ones that are really working here, you know, which just isn't true. We, we know that. Right. So when when you when it came to kind of turning the culture around and improving things, you know, there's maybe two ends of the spectrum. One is like mission, vision, values, like big picture ideas. Like I joke with my my lead pastor friends, uh, like their answer to every problem is get in front of somebody and preach. There's like the big idea thing. And then there's like the tactics. Hey, we've got to solve 
agendas for meetings and proper yeah. communication lines and which of those was it both and that you worked on or is you know did one come before the other is yeah. is there a, you know kind of advice you'd give us on and from your experience kind of which of those did you tackle first or you know that kind of thing give me a sense of that yeah that's a really great great question um I think that it's both, but I would mm-hmm. say um, looking at looking at how it played out for us, certainly it started at at the very top and was that we had to address some of the heart issues first before mm-hmm. we addressed the tactical pieces. And one hundred percent, we could not have done there. We couldn't have gotten to any semblance of health without the the lead pastor stepping back onto staff with a posture of. I'm going to meet with every single person on the staff. I'm going to address um, whatever the hurts are, whatever the misunderstandings are. So that whole mm-hmm. idea of leaders go first, um, mm-hmm. I, I think we saw that and we experienced that. And it mm-hmm. laid the groundwork for us to be able to then to dig in and do some um, still still heart work with our staff as well. Um, but to answer your question more specifically, one of the things we realized was um, that we needed, I mean, you I could be wrong. You can correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> Most lead pastors that are gifted communicators and visionaries mm-hmm. and, and are God is leading them. The Holy Spirit is directing them to this is where I want you to take this body. Um, they're usually not gifted in the tactical day to day, integrating true. all that needs to be integrated. And so well, we had somebody that could do that. We just didn't have the mm-hmm. structure set up in a way that lent itself to them both functioning well that way. So one of the first things we did uh, after our senior pastor came back in and really sort of led the way in, Hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to fix this and we're going to, we're going to start at the root of it um, was change the leadership org structure so that we had somebody, Jesse, who you mentioned our executive lead pastor really integrating and leading the charge on the tactical pieces, the day to day um, so that our senior pastor could do, what God had gifted and called him to do in the first place Um, Mm -hmm. and our, our lack of health and our lack of focus on how are we doing this had just gotten us to a place where he was having to do everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it. honestly, it got us to brokenness. So, yeah, I'd, I'd encourage folks to take a listen to, uh, so Jim and Jesse were on Carrie Newhoff's podcast, episode 515. The title of that is The Anatomy of Toxic Church Leadership, Church Growth and Identity, and How Leadership Crushes You. That's a very encouraging title for an episode, but it's a great episode, really talking through the inside of the, exactly the transition we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. It's well worth your hour plus time to listen to that. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. So from there, I get that there's like this alignment issues. We kind of get some of that core stuff aligned well, which is great. Um, What were some of those next steps that, or maybe it's even things that today you look back and say, wow, that has real positive impact in our culture. Those things that continue to resonate that help kind of keep us aligned, keep us pushing in the same direction. What would be some of those steps that were taken as a church? Um. One of the things was I, uh, when I was just kind of making notes to myself of of what's really been the impact and what's kind of the Mm -hmm. chronological order of how that all played out was um, as we, as we changed the structure and we shifted and we put in place a leadership team um, that really had kind of oversight tactically over every part of the organization. um, We, we really dug into the, the, how do we manage things at the same time, 
um, digging into, do we even know who we are? So it mm-hmm. was both pieces sort of, uh, writing both rails at the same time. The, um, mm-hmm. the heart of who we are, what do we value? Who do we want to be, um, based on the mission that God's entrusted with us to mm-hmm. us in Boulder County? Um, mm-hmm. and then how do we make that happen? I, I would say, honestly, and, and not, not just to, to pub Jim here, but his posture and attitude as we started to do that and building the trust with the team, because what he's got to do at that point is let those of us on the leadership team take those things um, right, and start huge. to put things in place. Um, we spent a lot of time together um, mm-hmm. developing trust because it was, and boy, it didn't come immediately, but it did mm. as we really, really spent time together. Um, and as we argued some things out, it was never just, we all just have to agree with the lead mm-hmm. pastor or with the executive lead pastor. It's everybody trusting that they brought something to the table that was important and that was valuable. Um, mm-hmm. And that we were going to pray for each other, love each other, support each other and build this, this sort of little team of, of trust so that we could then start to do that with the full, t- full staff. So if we hadn't done that first, we wouldn't have been able to go forward. I don't think that was, that was a huge piece of it. Yeah, that's a huge deal. Like, I think we skip really quickly to like, what was the tactic? What was the great communications plan? What, what is the, you know, what is the rollout? How do we, how do we say now we're going to be healthy to everyone as opposed to saying, Hey, no, we actually need to slow down, spend a bunch of time together, uh, get to know each other more, um, and actually trust each other, uh, mm-hmm. as a team. That's a, that's a valuable insight. Um, so yeah. what, what it, was there anything in that phase, particularly any, was it like a retreat or something you went on or some experience that was particularly helpful when you think back at that phase? There were a lot of things along the way. I will say this, uh, we got some outside help. We went to, mm-hmm. uh, executive pastors in organizations that we knew and consultants that we knew, um, mm-hmm. had experience and could help guide mm-hmm. us. Um, mm-hmm. knowing that we were always very protective of the ethos of flat irons and what God had called us mm-hmm. to the way he had called us to do what we're doing. Um, but we had people that we trusted to come in and walk us through That's some of good. these pieces. So yeah, we did, we did some retreats. We did some work on our own. We begin to, to bring in um, little, little teams of our staff throughout the organization, all the way from leadership roles to part-time staff um, so that we had buy-in from everybody across the board and that everybody mm-hmm. um, knew there's a whole bunch of people that are a part of this now as we begin to work through this. But at the very mm-hmm. beginning in the early stages, especially in the pieces where the leadership team was working, um, we mm-hmm. had people come in and help us outside people, um, mm-hmm. which is great because you get a perspective that you, your, your blind spots are your blind spots. Yep. And so having yep. somebody there to go, okay, now here's what I heard. And this is what this sounds like. And to kind of get us back on track was really important to the process. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's a good thing to underline. You know, the, the role of a strategic outsider can be super valuable in the, in the life of a church and, you know, somebody that's trusted and, you know, can make a big difference. Well, so then what, what did you develop as a team to try to help codify some of these changes? Like, okay, we're, we're trying to push in a better, you know, was there, was there any kind of tactic? Was there anything that helped, um, you know, communicate to the rest of the team and, and try to align the rest of the team around maybe some, some new behaviors. Yeah, there's a lot, but, but what I will say to kind of, as a preamble to this is 
we're what three years, three years in based on the start, four years in, we're still mm-hmm. working on this. Yeah, it's, of course. That's wonderful. Not, it's not like a, it was a year and now we're healthy. Um, <laughs> we're, we're in a really good place. I was mentioning before we started that we just got back from a staff retreat and I think all of us felt so you feel the difference is that understanding of, I can't believe we are where we are now based on where we were mm. before. So we know that. Mm. Um, but it's continuous work to now. And we know what the work is going forward from here too. Um, it's an ongoing thing. So it, it's certainly mm-hmm. not overnight. Um, to answer your question more specifically, I think the next steps of as we got staff involved, we still had some outside sort of expert help knowing mm-hmm. that the next step for us was we needed to develop um, staff values. We've always had mm. church values. This is who we are. Mm-hmm. This is what people could understand we were chasing after. But as a staff, I don't think anybody knew. Nobody knew what was expected of them in terms mm-hmm. of how you interact with each other, how you do how you do your job. Um, what do we value? What is important here? And mm-hmm. what are the deal breakers? That's really what your values mm-hmm. are, right? Is Mm-hmm. this is how we're going to function. And outside of this could be a deal breaker. Um, mm-hmm. But our staff didn't know that because we, we'd never mm-hmm. even worked on that. So as mm-hmm. we put together this larger team of folks with some outside help, um, we started with, if somebody was looking at our staff from the outside and just evaluating, what would they say our values are? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was both alarming and insightful um, <laughs> and sad I don't, I don't even, there were some things that came up that were like, oh my gosh, Mm. that's an unintentional value. And so you're cleaning stuff up, right? Right. Interesting. Well, I love you sent me a copy of this ahead of time, which we'll include in the show notes, friends. And I, you know, I, just to underline, um, lots of churches do have values or often churches have a value that they've articulated for the organization. But this idea of then trying to push those one step further to say, okay, how do we, how do we do life together as a team? Um, man, this is a best practice and really is a, is a great way to kind of align, to continue to try to align and have something to, to talk towards. When you put these together, um, how much of this was like things like you said there, you identified in yourself like, oh, this is who we were. Uh, how much of this was, oh, this is what we want to become. Um, you know, wh- how did that, what did the mix of that look like? Yeah. Yeah, it was a really great process. And this happened, this was over the course of probably nine months to a year. We had these little teams of five or six people um, that were not the, the leadership team. They were all of our staff from all the different ministries at all different levels of employment and time of employment uh, to kind of go out and put together, like, what would you say our values are? You've, mm. you've worked here, you're part of the staff, and they'd, they'd come back with a list and we put them all on a whiteboard, like millions of them. Right. Uh, and there was overlap. So you begin to narrow right. down. Yeah, this is the same as this. And um, and then you, then you start to do the hard work of working through um, some of them. We were like, we'd love that to be a value. We're not doing that at all. Mm-hmm. That's that's mm-hmm. not a value. What people were mm-hmm. bringing back was, in some cases, we would love it if we were this, if this was important mm-hmm. to us and this was a value. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we began to sort of differ- differentiate the things that we came up with, that all of this team came up with, that were like, this is who we are. This is core mm-hmm. to us. We're, mm-hmm. It's already in us. We couldn't change it if we wanted to, and we like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we, we would pull out the things that we were like, um, this is important because we're hearing it in feedback, 
but we're not mm. even close to there yet. So we had aspirational values. We had core values that were inherent already in who we were. And then what wound up being on the board were some unintentional values that we had to look at mm. and go, um, how did that happen? Is it, uh, for instance, we had an outsider at one point who was just here working with us on something and we were very mm. much a, you know, poke fun at people, kind of a, kind of a staff. Mm, okay. Um, yeah. A little like, bit sarcastic, know, a little. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very much so. And mm-hmm. he um, jokingly said at one point after hanging out that it's like, you guys have this, um, this culture of dishonor. Ooh. And that was like, Ooh, ouch. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but it wasn't wrong. It was, it was actually true. Um, and I think, the things that were inherent in us, one of which is we really value having fun together. Um, mm. And we, we, one of our values is that we're, we're raw and real. And that means a bunch of different things, but it's, it's a very transparent, honest sort of a, of a vibe that we value. Um, those things in, when you let sin creep in, I'm going to get a little churchy there, but when Ooh, you let good. sin creep in um, that fun value and the raw and real value, what we saw was it, it sort of leaked into dishonor and fun mm. and humor at somebody else's expense. Um, mm. Sarcasm that was hurtful. So, but, but recognizing those things did lead us to, we, we added a value of competing to honor each other, which is okay, sort of yeah. the guardian, the governor on the fun and the raw and the real. So some of our values became um, the guardrails for some of the other values. Um, right, so it right. was a really interesting process. And I would say we worked on that whiteboard and went back and forth and, and pulled things out and added things in over the course of a bunch of months uh, mm. until we ended with with what we knew were um, who we are at the core, who God had called us to be uniquely as flat irons and mm-hmm. where we wanted to go um, that we had not ever been able to because of our, of our real brokenness. Okay, um, we, we landed with kind of the seven values that we have now. Love it. Okay. So I'm going to rattle through them quickly. Um, okay. And I, not to disrespect, I know there's a ton to each one of these, but I'd love for you to talk to, so we talked about we compete to honor. That's one of the values. Mm-hmm. Um, which other of these values has had like a, you know, a lever on the culture. So I'll go through them and then tell us like, which one has been kind of an interesting one to see it, how it's impacted. So uh, the other ones are, we live, uh, we live mission minded. We know this is important. We take risks. We are raw and real. We pursue growth and development. Uh, we have fun. And then the final one, we compete to honor. Um, which one of those, you know, as it, and obviously they've all impacted your culture, but is there anyone in particular that you could think of another way that, ooh, that's really kind of helping shape our culture is kind of had its impact as you've been kind of living with it as yeah. uh, as a team? I would say, so the the three that were, it's like they're so deeply in who we are, they're in, their core values, they're inherent is the raw and real value. We are raw and real. Um, the taking risks, we take risks and we have Mm -hmm. fun. Um, Mm -hmm. and so those are so core to who we are. Um, Mm. what has happened is the mission minded piece has really impacted how we begin to move forward and help the staff understand how the values play out. Because Mm. if you're taking risks, um, the absolute filter that you have to use, if you're going to take a risk and we do let people try things all the time. But what, it, what is our mission? Everything has to run through the filter of 
we exist to bring the awesome life of Christ to people in a lost and broken world. Um, with that idea of the unchurched folks, you're always thinking about that person who's sitting on the front row that maybe three hours ago on Sunday morning, you know, they were at a club um, and they just mm-hmm. stumbled in here with the same clothes on from the night before. Think, think mm-hmm. about, use the filter of who we are, who are we reaching? Um, and so are, are you talking about, if you're going to take a risk, are you talking about a pet project? Are you talking mm. about your personal preference or mm. are you talking about something that is going to move the needle on reaching people that are far from God in a lost and broken world? So really beginning to understand that that's the filter through which we do everything, I think right. has impacted our staff in a, in a big way. Um, competing to honor, I mentioned that already, but it certainly has mm-hmm. provided uh, guardrails and sort of a refocus on what is our heart in all that we're doing mm-hmm. and what we're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, yeah, they, they all, what I love about them is we, and I think we're not this smart. We didn't think about this ahead of time, but we've realized <laughs> God is just good. And so they, they work together in a really beautiful way to mm-hmm. point us back to, I, I think we're, everybody's beginning to understand this is really who we are as a staff and this is how right. we do ministry together. Right. Love it. So good. Well, we'll, like I say, friends, we'll include that document in, in our show notes so that you can download it and see that. And, and it's interesting because um, even in our kind of pre uh, you know, back and forth with email preparing for this at one point, you said like, Oh, looking forward to this conversation or something like that. It was in one of the emails, one of the preps, but you even mentioned that you're like, and you know, uh, you know, it's like, and hopefully it'll help the mission of other churches move forward. Like, it's not just about staff health. It's not like, hey, yeah. we want to have a, a healthy staff. So there's like this kumbaya experience. Isn't this the best place to work in in the world? No, like we want that because ultimately that will help push the mission forward, right? That will help us uh, impact the communities we're in, which I just, I think this is great. Well, just as we're kind of wrapping up today's episode, anything else you'd, you'd like to say? There's a ton we could talk about here, but any kind of final thoughts as we as we land the plane? Um, I, I tend to, this is just the way my brain works and kind of how I'm wired, but I tend to really love the, the tactical, practical, strategic planning kind of a Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, one of the things we're working on with our staff is the idea that, um, you, you, you have all different personalities and people that are their whole, everything about them is pastoral. The, the, their calling and their gifting is around, um, people coming to know Jesus and, and sitting and praying with people, working through mm-hmm. tough times. Um, and we, we have that. Everybody has some of that in, in different measures. Um, and the, the practical, tactical, strategic pieces are not, um, they're not antipathy to that. It's everything works mm-hmm. together so that um, we, we talk to our staff about all of us growing and learning and getting better at all the pieces of our work in vocational ministry is is what moves us forward and the significance the eternal significance of what we're doing as a church um that's Mm. worth working and growing and learning and digging deep into Mm. the hard stuff so uh i'm just i feel honored and privileged that what what we walked through and trying to create health um we're still here um Mm -hmm. i mean just kind of things can can break it down and tear you up and and we lose churches over that so yeah um it's true always just hopeful that um, something God redeems it and it gets used somewhere. So thank you for the opportunity. 
Uh, it's so great. Well, Karen, I really appreciate you taking time to be here with us today. What an honor. If people want to track with you or track with the church, where do we want to send them online? Uh, just Flatiron's website. I show up there along with the rest of our, our leadership team, uh, www.flatironschurch.com. So check it out. Thanks so much. Really appreciate you being here today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rich. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.